be with the coach. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. What is up, Gamer Nation? How's it going? Me and Steve Talk RPGs podcast back at you with a new one. I'm Steve. I'm here with Steve. I'm the other Steve. Yeah, you're the other Steve. Yeah, that's typically what that means when I say I'm Steve and I'm here with Steve. Yeah, well, that could mean I'm Steve, too. I'm not just talking about myself. We need another person. We can just call three. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got Steve and Steve and Steve, and that's Steve. At work, there's three Steves, and we work, like, right now, the one is about eight feet from me, and the other one's about 15 feet on the other side of him. (laughs) There's another Steve at my work, and I keep getting called the other Steve, and I don't know how I feel about that. Well, see, we, at one point, we had another guy start whose name was also Steve, and so we literally, like, we're, we're just going to call you three. <laughs> and he was, like, this 19-year-old kid, so he really didn't know how to take it. Yeah, just like, uh, uh okay. All right, well, let's get into it. Let's jump into our podcast for the week. Okay. I think you had one... Ah, yes. Today, the uh, D20 shout-out is going to go to Primed by Cortex, which is a a pretty new podcast on the network. They actually joined, like, the day after we did, but it's run by JT and Kirby, and they're talking all about the new title from Fandom, Cortex Prime, which is a modular toolbox game designed to do a lot of different things. I mean, their publishing settings, I know they have the Heroes of Grayskull supposed to be coming out, but... They've also said they're going to open up, I think they're going to call it the Cortex Creator Studio or something. It's going to function very much like the Foundry for Genesis or the DMs Guild or I forget what the name of the one is for Savage Worlds. But, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those sites where you can get fan-created content. And they've already talked with a couple people. They talked with one guy who made a, a really cool werewolf setting. They were talking to another guy uh, on an episode I listened to today that did some pretty neat kind of intro educational settings for it to, like, teach people how to play it and stuff. So I thought it was pretty cool. So like I said, go check that out. It's called Primed by Cortex. And if nothing else, you can find it on the uh, D20 Radio website, which also, by the way, is home to the D20 Radio blog, which has all sorts of neat gaming and geekery information. I gotta say, JT's one of the coolest guys on the network. Well, everybody's cool on the network, but JT's one of the coolest guys out there. JT's cool. I think he does, like, all the... Well, he runs the Discord and all kinds of other crazy stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he writes for the blog, too. Well... Do you want to get into it, Steve? What are we getting into tonight? Are we are we going to do like a, a story time episode tonight? Yeah, I think story time is, story is appropriate. Time? Well, yeah. Well, you know, we did have Big Papa Pump or however he would like his name said. That's what it looks like it, a contracted form of. Wanted to hear the night that Bubba went crazy. And a couple other people have mentioned it. And uh, now there's actually two people on our Discord who were there that night and participated. 
Well, three, technically, if you count me. But in any case, I don't want to dive right into that because there's a little bit that you need to understand and set up for it. Let's be honest. Any good RPG story, you have to start with context. And by the way, too, this is last week I kind of went off on Riffs a bit. And this is from the Riffs campaign I ran in college. So, like I said, I've had a lot of fun playing the game and I do love the world. But it suffers mostly from being old and not having been updated. I think is the best way to put it, and we'll leave that at that. But in any case, so the first thing I'm going to do is tell you about what was probably the most memorable character I ever got to play with, be at the table for or whatever, however you want to say it, okay? And this wasn't my character. This was the Twinkie Avenger. Now, to explain this, in Rifts, there's a class of characters called a crazy, and what they are is they're regular people that have had these... They're called mind-over-matter implants installed, and they give them basically superpowers. Like, let me look here real quick, but I think they get, like, a bonus to endurance, strength, speed, reflexes, enhanced healing, bunch of stuff, okay? But they pay for this with the side effects of these implants, which cause them all sorts of mental issues. So anyway, as you're going through creating the character, one of the things that you, you do, they automatically get what they call a random crazy element, which is a D100 table, which only has like four entries in it, but it kind of tells you what the baseline for your crazy is. And there's four things on here. There's frenzy, there's power by association, there's multiple personalities, and they're crazy man. So, well, actually, let me back this up even just a hair more, and then we'll come back to this. So... Beginning of my sophomore year, we're playing Call of Cthulhu in what would equate to the student union building. I can't remember the name of it now, but at Ohio University where I went to school. And this guy comes in, talking to him because we hadn't quite started yet. He's like, yeah, I play riffs and stuff. I'm like, oh, I play riffs. And so we ended up, I don't know if got each other's phone number because this is back in the day when like email wasn't even a thing. You know what I mean? I mean, it was, but like most of us just had our school emails. So in any case, a few days later, whatever, we're rolling up a character for him. And uh, so, you know, he goes through and he does all his stats and everything else. And he gets to this table and he rolls the, the power by association. And what that does is it's basically when they came, the character came to from having the implants put in, they associate those powers with some object, food, could be daylight, could be at night, whatever. So he rolls power by association. Then he rolls the food thing. You know, that he associates his powers with a given food. Well, again, this is the D100 table, and I don't know who wrote this table because it has some things that are relatively common, like, yeah, I mean, it's got, like, garlic, it's got granola bars, but then it's got, like, just weird stuff, like raw brown rice and pig's ears and just a bunch of weird stuff, right? Well, what he rolls on this table is asparagus dipped in vanilla yogurt. And so it's like, Who's going to, he's like, that's just weird. And so I look at the table and at the very bottom of the table, it says Twinkies. And I go, well, we could just make it Twinkies. And Andy looks up at me and goes, is that really on there? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, okay. That's what I'm going to do. And it's just like, he takes off and he's, he's going through all the rest of this stuff, right? And he's this and that. And he's changing a couple of his skills around and stuff because I, I actually, I think we gave him two extra skills. I gave him Twinkie lore, and I believe he had a skill that was art as it pertains to Twinkies, okay? Because <laughs> one of the things he, he did, in Rifts, there are these things called fusion blocks, which are 
effectively like super grenades. You know, they're like a little block of explosive, right? Well, he's like, I'm going to paint all mine to look like Twinkie boxes. Like, okay. Because, you know, we all know that Twinkies will survive the apocalypse if nothing else does. There'll be Keith Richards with a box of Twinkies and a handful of cockroaches after the bomb. So he, he just goes completely down this train. He has a, a hover bike. He names his hover bike FDNC Yellow Number 5. You know, just on and on down this in, insane superhero kind of character, right? And then, now we had another character in the party, and this will all play into the night that Bubba went crazy, you know, a little later in the evening here. We had another character in the party who was a cyber knight, which are kind of like, think kind of a mix of like a second edition D&D paladin with a Jedi, you know, kind of, kind of a very chivalrous, but a little bit mystical too, in a way, you know, and because it was how he was, Twinkie would always look at the cyber knight and go, come on, faithful sidekick. Which, you know, <laughs> of course, irritated the crap out of the Cyber Knight. And, and Twinkie would do things like he would, there was a set of armor you could get in, in the game that had these like, I want to call it kind of like the, the Predator cloaking function, except it wasn't really cloaking. It was more like a fiber optic thing, you know, where it kind of would auto camouflage, but it wasn't full on cloaking. Well, he ended up getting a set of that somehow. And I don't ever remember him saying this when he bought it. But he insisted that he paid extra for it, and all he ever did with it was, was just amusing stuff. So they ended up in South America. So he says, oh, I have the armor put on a big yellow smiley face, and above it it says, hola, and underneath it it says, amigo. And I'm just like, okay. And so, Like I said, this was just a really zany kind of superhero complex character. It was really a lot of fun, and to the point where the whole time that I knew when we were in school, he actually referred to himself as Twinkie. Like, he would call me and leave me messages. Hey, Steve, it's Twinkie. Blah, 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 blah. But we ended up, we played riffs together for two years, I think. So, yeah, like I said, this character was just, just a riot to be around and, and amazing, amazing fun to, to watch at the table. So, do you have any really memorable characters that you've, you've played with, be they your own or someone that someone you played with was playing? I have a couple. Okay. I have two that come to mind. One we played completely wrong, but I don't care because it was fun. And the other one is mine. Okay. So the first one that comes to mind is my buddy's first D&D character he ever played. Mm-hmm. He wanted to play a dwarf paladin. That's what he wanted. And back in second edition, they took some heavy penalties to charisma. And like, basically, they, they were very explicitly like... Yeah, you're a dwarf. You can't communicate that well. You're more about, like, mining and, and being antisocial. And so we, I misunderstood what charisma meant. And so he had a negative charisma modifier, which was pretty hard to do in second edition, but we did it somehow. Anyways, what ended up happening was we decided that we would just give him a bunch of sprites that would sit in bags around his waist and speak for him. Okay. <laughs> um, because he couldn't communicate effectively. He was just, his charisma was just too low. He couldn't even talk to people. So he left it up to me. <laughs> That's dangerous. It, it really is, isn't it? Like, and so he would talk every now and again. He would get out like these three word sentences. Like he would say his name and he would be able to like, just get like a three word sentence out. And then he would leave it up to the little sprites to talk for him. And, like, he was talking to somebody at a bar. 
and it was going well and I was making him roll checks and I don't even remember what I was making him roll because honestly I didn't know what I was doing I was just sort of guessing and so I was making him roll dice and based off the number he got was the response out of the sprites he got so one was just always hungry okay and the other one the other one was like basically this saintly sprite who just could do no wrong and then there was a third one that was the exact opposite of that his whole purpose in life was to make this man die and watch him burn okay and so they were in a bar and they're having this conversation with the like they're having this conversation to hire this guy on and he rolls badly and the evil one comes out and just goes punch me in the face (laughs) (laughs) and the look on my buddy's face is this big burly dude just Stands up, cocks back, knocks him out at first level. All right, first level in AD&D is just as deadly as low levels in anything. Knocks him out, proceeds to pick a fight with the rest of the bar, almost TPKs the party. They all crawl out of the bar. That was the most memorable character that I was ever around. And then we'll get into dubs. So I'm going to talk about Cyberpunk, the one that you just ran. I think he's the most memorable characters I ever made. And I've talked about him a little bit here. I've talked about him quite a bit, actually. But Dubs is a weird beast, man. Dubs was fun, though. He was. I'm not going to argue with you. Dubs was a blast to play. However, Dubs, and you pointed it out, and you were right. Dubs really shouldn't have been a player character. Dubs was just sort of an NPC voiced by me. (laughs) Well, I mean, we had a lot of fun with with different scenes with him, but... Oh, no, I'm not saying we didn't. But Dubs, in the sense of a cyberpunk game, had no practical abilities. He could probably (laughs) patch you up really good, but he couldn't shoot worth anything. He couldn't drive a car. He basically... I sunk all of his points into being a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) And Dubs was this weird mix of, like, a doctor and just a weird german scientist and the craziest part is we're working on our episode to talk about cyberpunk red and i'm reading through never fade away again and it's like in that there is a weird german doctor that patches up johnny silverhand and i message you because i'm like i've read this a couple times i remember there being a doctor i don't remember him being a crazy german man not that i just manifested that out of nowhere but (laughs) Well, you know what? I remember him going to see the doctor in the original one, and I read the new one, and I didn't catch the German part of it either, so I don't know. Yeah, I read it and was like, what? Where did this come from? But it gets, like, Dubs was just such a weird guy. Dubs had a collection of body parts that we never acknowledged. Well, other than the time that you and the, well, the fixer made puppets out of them. That's true. We did make those mannequins. Dubs had a neighbor that he probably was going to kill. (laughs) Or or the neighbor was going to kill him. Yeah, either way, it was going to end somehow. It was like spy versus spy. Like, that's what it reminded me of. (laughs) Oh, yes. Dubs was, and and the answering machine was good, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, using the fixer as the answering machine. Or, (laughs) no, um, using... Hiring a guy to be the answering machine. Right. Yes, you're the machine. (laughs) Yes, Dubs was fun. Dubs was a blast. Oh, 
I forgot about the answering machine. I honestly did. <laughs> Dubs just paid some poor dude that was like down the street to answer this, like to answer a to pay phone out in front of his building. Yeah, because <laughs> that was how he did his his side work, so to speak. You know, he didn't right. want to call his actual phone. Exactly. You don't want people calling the house. That's <laughs> that's just gonna give away all of your information. Oh. <sighs> In the Schwarzenegger Memorial Hospital. Oh, yes. <laughs> it was just such a good character. I loved it. Yeah. Well, the, the Schwarzenegger Memorial was your idea, but I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. Let's run with that. It really does, doesn't it? We're, you know, playing in Night City, so it's like California area. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is perfect. Like, this is something that I could see absolutely being in Night City. Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, and, and I mean, even in the, I forget, one of the Chromebooks or something, there is there is a reference to Arnold Schwarzenegger in one of the 2020 books somewhere. Well, there's a lot of references to both 80s action heroes and 80s action movies in all of those books. Yeah. Well, some of them more plain than others, but... Yeah, some of them more blatant than others, but... There's the series of guns that are named for different, like, 80s action movie heroes. Yeah. But I forget they're in one of the Chromebooks or something. That's sort of where I pulled the Memorial Hospital from. Okay. But you want to get into the real point for this episode? What, what, the night that Bubba went crazy? Yeah, the night that Bubba went crazy. Okay. So let me start to set this up. There were, I want to say, at least five people playing at this point. There was our Discord user, Lucifer. There was... This guy named Tony, there was our Discord user, Andy, and then there was my roommate, Dan, and I believe his girlfriend, Bonnie, was playing with us as well, and our friend, Scott. Now, Andy played the Twinkie Avenger, and in my memory, it wasn't the Twinkie Avenger that was involved this night. It was a different character of his, but he remembers it as it being Twinkie, so that's what we're going with, because it doesn't make a big difference to the story all in itself. So, and our friend Scott played the Cyber Knight. And I don't remember off the top of my head what Dan and his girlfriend were playing. But in any case, I want to say they had to leave partway through the session or something. And that's how they actually escaped their fate. So anyway, for whatever reason, we had to introduce a new character for Lucifer. And he wanted to play a pixie. You know, like a little fairy folk, right? Mm -hmm. And so he makes this character whose name is Tink, who is just a little pixie, and they have some, you know, like magic powers and stuff. But essentially, you know, they're, you know, like a Tinkerbell, so to speak, right? Right. So, of course, I'm like, well, I don't want to do this, the bar thing. So what can I do that it'll be not a bar? So I'm like, oh, maybe they need to go into town and pick up supplies. Honestly, not much more original, but... Anyway, it, it seemed it at the time. So I'm like, well, okay, so yeah, you need to go into town to pick. So they, they go into the store, and it's you know, like a general store, grocery store kind of place, right? And this is where I decide that they're going to encounter Tink. And so I turn the players loose. I don't remember exactly how it all happened, but Tink basically manifests as this little glowing ball of light that flits around. So now we need to set up a little bit that Bubba who was being played by a guy who was actually a Navy vet and was still in college, but done a couple years in the Navy before coming to school. And however he had, when he did this, he, he built the character that was called a, I think he was a coalition grunt, basically just an infantryman that had left the coalition. 
At least that's how we did his story, right? He he was no longer part of the coalition forces, but that was his his class, so to speak. But for some reason, we had rolled stuff, and his height he was like five foot three or something. Like he was incredibly short, and I don't know why, but his armor was pink. <laughs> okay. I don't remember why that happened, but I mean, you know, he's like just this little stumpy badass, right? Yeah, I know, I know a thing or two about those. <laughs> and he has this phobia for what Riffs calls DBs or dimensional beings, which are basically like magic creatures and, and whatever. Well, normally this isn't really an issue because he keeps it under control or whatever. Well, I don't remember all of exactly why or how this came about, but he sees Tink glowing and flitting around, and then Tink starts talking to them. Well... This kind of freaks Bubba out. And again, I, I don't remember the details of them playing it out, but I'm sure there was some some play that went back and forth in this and this. Well, then, of course, Bubba decides to try to start shooting the light. <laughs> so they end up just shooting the crap out of this, this store they're in, right? As you do. Yes. And of course, now this is Rifts, and, and they have mega damage weapons. So, like, we're talking, they're blowing basketball sized holes through the wall of the store. As you do. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So finally, one way or another, they knock Bubba out. I, I, I would imagine Twinkie was involved in this somehow in Cybernet, whatever. They, they knock Bubba out and they tie him up and they put him in a truck and they go back to the base. Anyway, they, they get him in a the truck. They go back to their, their little base or whatever. And then Bubba comes too, right? And he's still convinced. That at this point, he's convinced that the store is some sort of like nexus point where all these little talking balls of light are coming through. <laughs> and and don't ask me why, in some fit of madness, I had given them an assault helicopter. I feel that sometimes, okay? As somebody who likes to give their players nice things, I feel that sometimes. You mean like a boat on top of a hotel? You mean like what is now an airship on top of a hotel? <laughs> but... <laughs> In any case, right? So somehow Bubba gets loose, or maybe they just knocked him out at this point and, and kind of calmed him down. But he's still thinking. And, and I think, I don't remember if Tink followed them. I know Tink came back with them in, in some form or other. I, I, I don't remember the details on that. Is there anything in that email? Uh, it says he followed them back to the house. Okay. And they... They put Bubba to bed, and then he was going to reintroduce himself to Bubba. All right. So at some point, Bubba wakes back up and decides the store is like some sort of nexus point or gateway where these, these things are coming through. So he somehow or other gets into the chopper and starts to go to go blow the crap out of the grocery store. Well, somehow or other, Twinkie ends up in or on the chopper with him. <laughs> Okay, this is the part that actually just came back to me a little bit over the past week or so that I've been thinking about this. I kind of have a memory of Lucifer having some sort of illusionary magic abilities with that character. And so Tink, in an effort, because Tink doesn't want to see the store get blown to kingdom come, right? right. So he tries to manifest the illusion of like a dragon or something in the air in front of the helicopter, because we all know that always ends well, you know, because the guy who was the military grunt who managed to roll well enough to get the helicopter off the ground now has to take evasive maneuvers and is already 
somewhat mentally unstable, right? So this, that, the other thing. That's one of those best case, worst scenarios. <laughs> best case, he freaks out by the dragon and lands the helicopter. Worst case, he tries to dodge the dragon and crashes the helicopter. I'm pretty sure he freaked out, lost control, and crashed the helicopter because I remember Twinkie dying in the helicopter crash. At which point, Andy looks at Tony and goes, okay, now I'm going to play your insanities. I'll be the voice in your head. <laughs> so they crash the helicopter. The rest of them are chasing him in the truck. And I think maybe at this point, Dan and, and his girlfriend had to leave or something because I remember them being there at the beginning, but they didn't die. So I think at some point they had to like, they had something to go do, or maybe they had class early the next day, or I, I don't know. I don't remember those details now, but they check out at some point, you know, and their characters go off to do whatever it is. But I want to say the Cyber Knight chases them down the, the location of the crash, finds Bubba in the hulk of the crash chopper. Bubba's in really bad shape at this point, but he manages to drag him back home once again. Again, I don't remember all the details, but somehow at this point, you know, he's, he's pretty sure, you know, Bubba has lost it. So he makes sure he takes all Bubba's guns and his knives and all his, his stuff, right? What he doesn't know, and I had not remembered, is that Bubba had a mini laser blaster implanted in one of his fingers. So I don't, I'm thinking maybe they tied him up or something, knocked him out again in any, in any case, but he starts to get loose again. And at this point, I remember the Cyber Knight is trying to like basically wrestle with him to subdue him. And... They're doing this, and the the way armor works in, in rifts, for the most part, your your MDC, which is your mega damage, which is what all your lasers and stuff do, most of that armor is like full coverage environmental. Well, Cyber Knights have this weird thing where they have some mega damage armor that's like cybernetically implanted in them, but they still have what functions much like an armor class in D&D. And if the strike at them is above that, it actually hits the fleshy bits, not the armor and... Uh, one mega damage is equal to 100 basically hit points. So you really don't want that to happen because it, it, it basically is just going to kill you. Right. So they're they're wrestling and, and somehow Bubba manages to get a shot off with the laser blaster and actually beats the armor of the Cyber Knight, killing him. And so now he's basically limping off. I think he had shot his own foot off to get out of however they had him restrained or something crazy. Yeah, so what, what they have written is a little bit different from what you're saying is, so he followed him back to the house, they tied him up, Bubba came to, and then killed Andy, and then they knocked him out a second time, got tied up again, he cut off a foot or a hand to get free, and then Andy, while playing his his uh, psychosis, convinced him that everyone had to die, and then Bubba kills everyone. Uh, it's just literally that Bubba kills everybody, comma. <laughs> See, the way I remember it, I, I want to say somebody else died in the helicopter crash because I remember Twinkie was the first to die because I, I, I to this day, remember goes him looking across the room and going, I'm going to play your insanities. Right. It, but in any case, like I said, so you can imagine this is just chaos going on right at the table because you've been in, in situations where things go haywire. Well, this went haywire and just continued to spiral from there. But I want to say it ended up with Tink basically killing a, a badly, badly injured Bubba and then me going, OK, yeah, I don't think you can play Tink again. I don't think that went very well. 
<laughs> but like I said, it, I don't know. It, it was funnier in my mind than it seems like it was when I just told it now. No, that's that's ridiculous and awesome. And that's, if I'm honest, that's why I come to RPGs for. Well, you know, like, and look, okay, here's, here's the thing, right? This literally happened. I met Andy. It would have been the fall of... 96 maybe yeah i think it would have been fall of 96 so i mean this has been i'm old i can't remember things anymore <laughs> <laughs> but yeah this would have been you know in the mid 90s so i mean this is these are memories that that for all three of us are 25 plus years old yeah it would have been it would have been 95 so yeah we're talking like 25 years ago but like you said you know those memories stick with you and, and i've actually reached out i'm, I'm friends with you know, on facebook with a couple of the other people that were there and I reached out and asked them if they remembered any of it. You know, they, they do remember it, but not to add anything to it. But uh, yeah, Lucifer and Andy, they were both there. And so that's the story of the night that Bubba went crazy. But there is a follow-up story to it. But I want to let you tell a story if you've got a good one. Uh, let me see here. I do have a good one, actually. Okay. I got one. It's a little bit tame, but it, it definitely is one of those stories. It's not the night that Bubba went crazy, but it's one of those stories that my players are going to remember and honestly despise the player that did this for the rest of their days. Okay. So, in my long-running D&D 2nd Edition campaign, so, by a long-running campaign, I technically had two. I had one that was very long-running that ran for about two years, and then I had another one that was about a year long. Alright. So, I say that as long-running, but for me, to run a campaign that's anything longer than a year is, is too much. I, I want to play too bad, and I want to do other things too bad to run a campaign that just keeps going. Mm -hmm. So, my crew, in an effort to track down somebody, I don't remember quite the context of why they were there. I think they were recruiting an army to try and fight against the big bad. They hopped on a ship, and if you know anything about most Dungeons & Dragons campaigns, any time that you go on the water, that's a bad time. Well, they hopped on this ship and went to this island off the coast of their, like, main continent. Okay. When they arrived, they found a bunch of people worshipping a queen, and it seemed like this town had sort of been frozen in time. Well, come to find out that they have a vampire problem. As a matter of fact, everyone on the island's a vampire. Okay. And all they had to do was play nice. And they tried. They tried very hard to play nice. Mm -hmm. Except we had one very holy paladin who did not want to play nice with these evil, evil vampires. Uh-huh. And so he kept getting, he would get like foaming at the mouth, angry and wanting to fight these guys. And like, they're talking him off the ledge and they finally get him back onto the ship and he hurls one, like one insult to their queen and the whole like, the whole island turns. <laughs> you could have felt a pin drop. And in a fit of brilliance or insanity, I'm not 100% sure yet, their elven ranger decides, yeah, I don't need this crew anymore. And he goes, I turn to the queen and I take a knee. And so now they're down a man against an entire army of vampires. Mm-hmm. And we ended that session right there, <laughs> and we never went back to those characters, <laughs> because the conversation that we had was, 
where we ended it right there was when he took that knee, everybody, everybody, there was a collective boo at the table that came out as he was a turncoat. And then I looked at his character sheet and realized why he did it. I had forgotten that he was the only character that was chaotic evil. Uh Uh-huh. So he did not care. He was just like, yep, no, problems. I want to be problems. I'm saving me. Yeah. And it was brilliant. And I loved it. It was a great play. But everybody hated him for that. And so he was never allowed to play Rangers again. (laughs) He's not allowed... You can't play Elven Rangers. You can't play. And he's like, I want to play. No. I, I, I fail to see the connection between. I, I do too. But they were worried he was going to bring that character back. <laughs> now, see, after the night that Bubba went crazy, I, I still remember. And I'm looking at the players and I'm going, okay. And I mean, the thing is, is we've been just laughing at the whole thing all night long, right? And I go, well, did you all have fun? And they went, Oh, hell yes. And I'm like, oh, okay. Then we proceeded to make, you know, more characters and kind of reboot the campaign. But Well, and that's what sort of happened with my D&D campaign was I looked at him and went, all right, so you hate his character, but did you all have fun? And everybody's like, yeah. And I looked at him and I go, other than irritating your whole party, did you have fun? He's like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I finally got to do the thing I've been wanting to do. Like, What's that? He's like, screw the party over. <laughs> Jeez. I'm like, that's just mean. You don't need to do that. He's like, no, you don't understand. He's like, I, I've never done that. And they were all like, yeah, and you'll never do it again either. <laughs> so now they watch. Anytime he makes a character, they watch his alignment like a hawk. <laughs> oh, my. See, that's one of the things I do like about the Palladium system is, is their alignment is actually... It's actually really good, and I like the fact that they have, like, ten bullet points under each one that give you an idea of of what the alignment means, not just the tic-tac-toe chart that, that we all know. Yeah, I still feel... I feel that alignment in most cases is still just a personality quiz. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I used to laugh because I, I knew a guy that was like... This was would have been, like, early 2000s that was like unironically i don't care what your zodiac sign is what's your alignment and i'm like yeah that was a that was a bad take (laughs) like that's a thing that didn't age well i'll just say that well all right so that your story for there that's my story for that one because okay yeah i think we've got time to fit in at least one more little one here and this is it's more of a gaming story but it doesn't involve the game itself per se this happened relatively shortly after the night that Bubba went crazy. My roommate, Dan, was playing with us, but I don't remember what it was, but he had something to do that that week and, and he had to miss a session. So after the session, Lucifer and I are hanging out in, in my dorm room because we usually played. There was a little study lounge like right down the hall. And so mm-hmm. that's where we usually played. So we're hanging out in the dorm room afterwards. Dan gets back, walks in the door, looks at us and goes, okay, what happened? What did I miss? And just on a whim, Lucifer looks up at him and goes, we all died. (laughs) And like I had actually at the end of the previous session, I had foreshadowed something I was going to do and something about, you know, something weird anyway. And so Lucifer just picked that up and we're talking, there was no, not even the, hey, do you want to play a joke on Dan? 
No, this was literally just off the cuff. <laughs> so Lucifer makes up this story about, well, because after he played a, uh, the Cyber Knight, Scott made a Jedi. We found a Jedi conversion. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we can do this. Sure, why not? Because at some point, not long after that, or maybe it was even at that point, Lucifer was playing a predator. Yes, you did hear me right. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to ask. It's rifts. I just assume. <laughs> well, that's kind of the thing, right? Uh, he was actually looking for a Grendel conversion, but we could never find one that we liked. But anyway, so he says something. It just makes something up that the, the, the Jedi did something and the big evil thing came up out of the ground and they all died. And I'm like half looking at him, but I'm like, yeah, well, I'm just going to roll with it, right? So then somehow, oh, and that's the other thing. Maybe Dan had to leave that session early too. or so. I, I know I had his character sheet for the character he had been playing. So then the next week, I forget something, but none of us could, could make it work or a bunch of us couldn't. So we skipped a week. So two weeks later, we get together. We're going to play. Dan has already gone and made a new character. All this stuff, right? And now, mind you, also in this intervening time, I've gotten a hold of everyone else and let them know what happened. <laughs> so at one point, myself and Scott and Dan go to the dining hall to get dinner together, right? And this is the first time Dan has seen Scott since the incident. So he walks up and he gives him a big old punch in his shoulder, like, that's for getting us killed. And so, like, at some point, <laughs> Scott looks at me and goes, you didn't tell me he was going to beat me up for it. <laughs> but you know but he, I mean he still you know he thought it was kind of funny right and like I said somehow we managed to all like play this off right and oh at this point too I should have mentioned Andy lived across the hall from us okay. so like yeah it, it was like you know, we all ran into each other all the time right and it, it, I mean it's a decent sized school but it wasn't a huge campus so like I said I two weeks feeling. two weeks later we sit down to play. I had almost forgotten that we played the joke on him. And so I just open up the folder, go, here you go, Dan. And I hand him his character sheet. He's like, huh? What, 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 huh? <laughs> so yes, we, we tricked my roommate into thinking that we had another, another party wipe. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I, I haven't done anything quite that mean. Yeah. Well, looking back, yeah, we made him create another riffs character, which was probably not the nicest thing I ever did, but. It was all in good fun, and I'm sure I helped him with it because, well, I mean, he was using the books that I had that I actually borrowed from somebody else, so. Yeah, based on what you've told me about the character creation system and that it's, based on what I've read, it seems like a, how do you say, nightmare? Well, you know, I, I thought about it, and I actually added a, a little snippet in when, when I was editing last week's episode, and I think part of it, and I think maybe this is what you were trying to touch on when you were talking about the, the gatekeepering and stuff with games in that era, is that it really is a game that it wants to be your only game or your big main game, right? Right. Not just as a game master, but as a player too. And I guess to a certain point, you know, when you're in high school, even when you're in college, you have the time for that, so to speak. Yeah. But when you get into adulthood, a job, family, or whatever, you just, we don't have the time for that anymore. Not to go back on an old rant, but I think it's a design philosophy that just sort of has changed over time. People's attention span aren't what they used to be. 
And I think that's sort of reflected in, and not saying that there's anything wrong with this, but it's sort of reflected in the fact that there are more rules light, throw it on a table, grab it up, nobody needs to really know the rules too much, you know, you could teach this game in 10 minutes, that's a, that's a pitch that I go to cons every now and again, mm-hmm. and anytime I'm at a convention and they're like, hey, you want to try a new RPG? I'm like, I don't know, how long does it take to learn? And they're like, we can teach it to you in five minutes. I'm like, okay, you have my attention, because... If you can teach me how to play this and play this efficiently, then then I'm interested. But I think that was one of the things that back in the day... So I think part of the other problem is is that there wasn't a glut of options either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. you weren't flooded for choice either. Yeah, well, you were and you weren't. I think it was weird because like you had Fossa had Shadowrun and Earth Dawn and Palladium had all their titles and various other games were out there. You know, I, I remember Rollmaster being talked about, although I never actually saw it. But it was a different time. Although I have heard that same sort of criticism leveled at the new edition of Warhammer Fantasy and that it's not that it's a bad game necessarily, but it has some complexities that really kind of, it wants to be your, your only game. Yeah, and I, I feel that sometimes. I I think the reason Dungeons & Dragons worked so well, in especially that, that era, that second, third edition era, I think the reason that works so well is because that's a game that there's a lot of rules, but it doesn't take much to learn how to do it. Well, the other thing, and maybe this was unique to the to, to my play experience, was most people only played with a few of the rules to second edition anyway. Oh, yeah. Like, there was a ton of rules that no one ever bothered with. No. And that's when I learned how to run 2nd Edition after running it horribly. I went out and saw... I actually reached out to somebody who I was like, Hey, um, you had mentioned that you ran a 2nd Edition game. Can you teach me how to play this? And they're like, yeah, here, we'll teach you how to run it. And that was one of the things they were like, There's a lot of rules that you just ignore. Like, there's a lot of things that you just don't acknowledge. Uh, oh, okay, I understand. And still to this day, I mean, I run 5th edition that way too, though. <laughs> there are things that I just absolutely cannot stand how it's done and just ignore it. Fair enough. Well, that's, you know what, though, I, to a certain point, I kind of like playing sort of that way, you know, kind of fast and loose and reacting to what the players or the other players or the whole table playing off each other, not not trying to follow like a really set plot track, so to speak. Right. And I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of set plot tracks. I, I never was. I'm not a big fan of like, give me a good, well-written adventure module and I'll take it and twist it the way I want to play it. Yeah. Like I think for, for me, I kind of look for like, I want to call it like nodes in the story that I want to hit. But like, so I've got some, some dots going through that I want to hit, but how we get from this dot to that dot to that dot, I'm really open to kind of whatever happens. Yeah, I I sort of am the same way too. That's why, and you know this, I've, I hardly ever grab pre-made modules. I own, it, when it comes to pre-mades in specifically Dungeons & Dragons, the only pre-made modules that I physically own is Tales from the Yawning Portal, because it's easy to open that book, go, what level are you guys? Okay, you're at this level. Here's a quick, easy, you know, 
throw this on the table. We'll do this adventure real quick and just side stories. Mm -hmm. But everything else, I really don't. Not that I think they're bad. Not that I think they're badly written. They're great tools for people who aren't quite sure about this DMing thing quite yet. But for me, I would much rather tell you a story if I don't have a story to tell, then maybe it's not my maybe it's not my time to tell the story. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If I don't have a story to tell, maybe I go, hey, Steve, do you got any stories that you want to do? You got any campaigns you want to run? Mm -hmm. And you go, oh, yeah, I've been toying around with this one, that one and the other one. Well, do you want to run for a while and I'll play? <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's the beautiful thing, too. If if you've got a table where more than one of you runs, and especially what's really cool is if you have, and this is kind of the situation I fell into with the crew that I ran with in college, was that this person ran this game, and that person ran that game, and this other person ran this other game. And so we'd be playing four or five different campaigns, but one person only ever ran one game, and so like Everybody got to play, and we got to play all kinds of different games, and it was it was great. Well, I, I know the feeling, and I mean, <laughs> yeah. I just, for me, I didn't used to, but I get burnt out really quick on stories anymore. Like, especially campaigns that I'm doing myself. Mm -hmm. I try and write ideas for them, and I get really excited at the beginning, and then I get sort of tapered towards the middle, and mm -hmm. I... I rely on my players maybe more than I should, but that's just something that, that I need to work towards getting away from. But Yes and no. Yes and no in that, how do I put this? Not that I rely on them too much, but I really feel like sometimes when there's lulls in what's happening, I should be feeling that, and that's just something that I want to work on myself. Mm-hmm. That's fair. But at the same time, I feel that my players end up... like. I don't walk away with a lot of great stories, but mm -hmm. I think that part of that is my perspective. My perspective is, and I, I pay attention to what my players are doing, but my perspective is not these great stories that my players have. It's this, it's this perspective of, and I was the, I was the rule keeper. I was the one that kept, you know, I was the one that kept the, everything within spec essentially. Mm-hmm. And so my players have stories of stuff that happened and I'm like, sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I need to, I need to actually, I need to see about maybe bringing one of my players on and have him tell maybe a story or two of some stuff that happened. Cause they, they talk about things and I'm like, I, I vaguely remember that. <laughs> well, I think sometimes though you're as, as the GM, you're trying to keep track of so many things and you're not seeing it from the same perspective that a player is. Well, and I think not only that, I think it's sometimes that, you know, you're keeping track of so many things. And I know for me, it just feels like sometimes, sometimes I'm just along for the ride. You know, as a GM, I'm just sort of there. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be honest. You didn't plan out any of the night the bubble went crazy. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, other than, hmm, let's, let's, let's introduce the new player at the store. That was exactly. the extent of that the, the plan that was involved. And I, I think sometimes sometimes that's how it feels to be a DM is that you're just or a GM, you're just there for the ride. You know, especially with sandbox games, it really happens with. Mm -hmm. Admit it, you'd have never thought that that during Cyberpunk we would be throwing C4 horses at, at cars driving down the road. No, no, no. That was not on the list of things I expected to happen. 
or that um, our buddy's character would have successfully almost gotten run over and then shot that guy and then <laughs> almost gotten run over again. Yes. Like, <laughs> you know, there are yeah. things that you expect and there's not things that you don't expect. And I think one of the biggest things is for me is that as a DM, as somebody who DMs a lot, it feels like a lot of times the stories that get told around the table of, oh, do you remember that time we did this? I'm sitting there going, I remember that, but I don't remember that the way you guys remember that. Well, I think it, it, you know, it's like the old saying, the truth is stranger than fiction. And, you know, what I mean by that is like the things that you can plan probably aren't as memorable as the, for lack of a better, the, the weird shit that fell out when you shook the bag. And I think that's why that's why we're such big proponents of yes ending. We're such big proponents of just say yes, just see what happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, even though you may not get it, you may be sitting at the table going, oh, this isn't the story that I wanted to tell. Your players, if they're having a blast, that's all like as long as it's not as it's not at the sake of someone or disruptive in any real way let them have fun oh yeah let your players do what's fun yeah i mean well look i've we've heard us say it before if your players are doing things between them each other it's entertainment that you didn't have to work for right and it's, it's you get to watch that's free like <laughs> that is free storytelling and then at the end of the day if you if you do that right you take what your players were doing, you go, oh, not to get into too much of our campaign, but I go, oh, well, Steve wants to go look for his brother. Okay, well, let's see. Can I roll that into something? Yeah. You know, or this one's acting out, this one's acting out like, oh, here's some more character stuff that I wrote. I have what I refer to as the tragedy twins. The tragedy twins are, it's a um, illusion wizard and a road and the basic premise of them is they used to be they used to be like a like a traveling show they roll into town the illusion wizard would go up on stage he would do all kinds of magic and stuff and like entertain the crowd while the rogue just sort of panhandled the crowd mm -hmm. just robbed them blind and then they'd move on well the point of the tragedy twins is if or when one of them dies you grab the other one and go, I'm looking for my brother. Have you seen him? And then watch the rest of the party go, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> because they go, I, I did it once. I, I, I played them once and I, I loved them so much. That's why I kept them. The one died. He, he died in a great battle and it was just a good fight. And the other one shows up and he goes, uh, I'm looking for my brother Terrence and the players all collectively go who and me, <laughs> the me as a player is going, Oh, you guys, you guys are terrible. <laughs> you're, you're evil, horrible people. That's what you are. <laughs> but stuff like that. It's weird. It's fun. Let your players do weird stuff. Sometimes, you know, again, if it's, if it's disruptive, maybe not, but if it's something that's not, if it's not hurting anybody and it's just sort of a weird thing that's happening, let it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it is fun to just hang on for the ride. Yeah. I think that's the moral of the story. The night bubble went crazy is just sometimes you just got to just hop on that roller coaster and watch what happens because 
Yep. It's going places, but and and you know, like we've said, you know, that's that's the magic of of RPGs is is the memories, really, the the stuff that you remember for for years and years and years. And I mean, where else do you get that? You know, you don't get it out of a lot of media. You really don't. And, you know, that's one of the other things is with RPGs. And and this is something that I sort of talk about is you make acquaintances and you meet people that play these games and you make friendships with people that play these games that just, you know, I've met people playing RPGs that met, become friends with people, have sort of networked within the space that I never thought I'd talk to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not out of like, oh, I wouldn't be caught dead associating with them, but it's more like, I I never thought I'd, I never thought, I listened to shows on the D20 network. I never thought I'd be on it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like GM Eric and GM Chris's stuff. I never thought I'd get to talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. It has been, that has been a pretty wild ride in its own right. Like, like you said, it's like one of those, you know, like when we finally decided to start a podcast, it's like, well, that would be really cool if we could do that. Right. And then, then, you know, we get Chris on and he goes, well, I have a question for you guys. Why aren't you on the D20 network yet? And we're both just like, uh. Right. And not just that, but like. I've played games at cons where I've I've played beside people that I never thought I would I never thought I would play at a at a convention beside you know just different voice actors and stuff because one of the local conventions for us is an anime convention I went to fairly regularly. Well, I played next to a couple voice actors. I don't want to name drop because that's disrespectful, but you know I never thought I'd play role playing games next to those people. But that's the kind of thing that like. That's the thing I really like with Critical Role is that it makes you realize that there are people out there that play these games that you never realized play these games. Yeah. Well, that's like the the video you sent me a while back where it was Joe Manganiello talking about his his home group, which among right. others uh, includes Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine and Prophets of Rage, and there was the, the other one that they did with Chris Cornell. Right. But him, um, you know, Big Show, and, and there were a bunch of other names in there that I... Vince, Vince Vaughn. Vaughn. Yeah. And it's like, well, I mean, you talk about somebody who doesn't look like... Okay, bringing it back to the interview with GM Chris, you mean there's other there's other mo- there's other movies other than Fast, Fast and, and the, the Furious? Furious? Do they have Vin Diesel? Well, you want to talk about somebody who plays role-playing games? Vin Diesel. <laughs> yeah. Vin Diesel's a big... He's huge into D&D. That's not somebody you would think would play that. Yeah. But do they have Vin Diesel? Well, D&D has Vin Diesel. I don't know about <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's why that's why I, I that's why I love this hobby so much because you get to meet interesting people. You get to play these games and tell these stories that just you can't tell in other mediums. You know, I can watch a movie and enjoy a movie, but I don't get my input in a movie. Yeah. I don't get to say, I don't get to say to John Wick, no, 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 we're not doing it that way. I don't get to, you don't get that interaction. And and that's something that role-playing games has that other things, other pieces of media just don't get. It it makes for these memorable lifetime stories, you know, and and these these awesome adventures and and just shenanigans sometimes. (laughs) And that's the best way you can put it. Yeah. And sometimes it's melodrama. Sometimes it's 
silly. Sometimes it's sad, you know. I've lost a character or two where I've genuinely been like, now nah, I gotta stop playing for a little bit of time because I don't know what I'm gonna do now that I've lost this character because I mm -hmm. was emotionally attached to them. I can see that. You know, and and it's just a really great hobby. And I know we're telling, we're, we're preaching to the choir, but I'm just going to say it's a really great hobby. Well, you know, and, and this is something, too, that, you know, since we started doing the podcast, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'll i reach out and just go um, go looking like, well, hey, maybe, you know, I'll, I'll hear someone on another podcast and go, oh, you know, maybe we could this. And, and to this point, every single person I've reached out to to go, hey, can I ask you a question about about this with podcasting? Or, hey, um, you know, we'd, we'd like to talk to you about this. Would you be willing to come on our podcast? Every single person has gone, yeah, sure. You know, and they're they're just nice people. And they, you know, it's, it's like, and you end up talking gaming with them. And it's like you've known each other for years. You know, you're just having a conversation and, and you're talking games and it's great, you know. And so, I mean, like, there's a lot of really, really wonderful people out there in this, this hobby, this industry, whatever. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And there's a lot of people, just great people out there in general. Mm -hmm. So, with that bit of sappiness out of the way, <laughs> you want to roll into Game of the Week? Game of the Week? Game of the Week! Is it my turn this week for Game of the Week? Pretty sure. Well, I'm actually going to go with something that I found. I found it a couple weeks ago, and I sent you the link for it. But since you haven't used it yet, I'm going to use it this week. This is new or newer. He's he's had it up for, for a couple of weeks. Um, this one actually is not on DriveThru. It's on itch.io, which is a, a similar site, but uh, does a lot more with even more independent creators. But this is this is from John Harper who is probably best known as the main creator behind Blades in the Dark. He's also written uh, another game we've mentioned on Game of the Week called Aegon, and this runs off the same engine as that, which I guess he is calling the Paragon system. In any case, you do need the Aegon rulebook to play this game. But the cool part is, is that it is a name-your-own-price with a suggested price of all of $3 for the download. And the name of this game is Chamber. The kind of like headline listing is Chamber is a sci-fi intrigue play set for the Paragon system from the Aegon role-playing game. A copy of Aegon is required to play. For more on the Paragon system, including how to publish your own play sets, visit AegonRPG.com. But then it goes down into the description. This and the, the imagery on the itch.io site are what kind of kind of hooked me on this. It says, the year is 1968. Two years ago, on January 7th, 1966, an alien energy, now known as the Signal, reached the Earth. It spread through the telecommunication system, affecting people and technology around the globe. Its existence is not publicly known, though its strange effects have been widely reported. You work for Chamber, a secret agency tasked with capturing or destroying signal-resonant materials, objects imbued with the Signal, as well as containing its transmission and dealing with people harmed by it or working to harness its power. And the the art is really kind of, oh, kind of, it's really, I mean, it's neat. I don't know how exactly you describe it. It's like dark red tones, very kind of retro sci-fi alien-y. Does that yeah, make sense? And, 
and that's the art. The story reminds me of a couple things. The the story that they're proposing reminds me of um, SCP, which I don't know if you know what SCP is. Off the top of my head, I don't. Okay, SCP is a fan group of people who are like... I, I don't really know where it started or what hap- how it got started, but it, it stands for Secure, Contain, Protect. And they're basically these these entities that exist in the world, and the SCP organization is out there to collect them and, and contain them. But it's sort of this idea that... It's, it's kind of like Delta Green, but it's sort of this idea that there are things beyond our understanding and things that can bring an end to this world, and... Mm-hmm. I, I when I read the when I read the descriptor, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I'm like, oh, this this reminds me of SCP, and I could do a lot with that. Hey, Steve, scroll down below the image of the character sheet on the listing. I gotta bring it up. Hold on. Okay, it says chamber adapts the flash and flexible paragon system da 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 to a Cold War sci-fi intrigue and danger inspired danger inspired world. by SCP Foundation <laughs> control in the X Files. <laughs> hey, guess what? Nailed you did it. the thing. Congratulations. <laughs> well, but I mean, I think it's cool that, that you picked up on that without actually reading it. The sad part is, yeah, I picked up on that without reading it. I read the upper two paragraphs. I just didn't read that part. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, but like I said, it, it, it just looks really cool. Yeah, and I mean, Harper I'm knows his interested. stuff. Yeah, this is one of those ones that I, give me like, give me through these holidays because... We got some things in the pipes we want to do, and I could easily see myself grabbing this and throwing it down on the table as a long-running campaign. Mm-hmm. I mean, not like long-running is like six years. I'm talking long-running, maybe like my definition of long-running, which is like a year to six months, mm-hmm. and and just drop this on a table and go, we're playing this, make characters, we're going to go, and telling this really cool intrigue story. I think that could be fun. Yeah. It looks like, like I said, at least the the setting, you know, slash era seems like it could be really, really fun to kind of play around with. And, and even actually, given the era, you could possibly, if you wanted to, depending, you know, if, if you've got someone else in your group that runs something, you know, you could kind of like bounce from this into say, uh, Fall of Delta Green. Oh, easily. Or, you know, vice versa. If you're playing Fall of Delta Green, you could then maybe take on the story from the other side in in Chamber. Oh, very easily. Very easily. Like I said, I think Chamber is one of those ones that I just want to drop that on a table. I really do. Yeah, it looks really interesting. So, what do you got? Mine. Let me tell you about mine. Um, (laughs) What do you know about wrestling? Actually... I haven't followed it in years, but I, I know some people who have actually worked in the business on various levels. Good, because I got an RPG for them. <laughs> oh? I have Worldwide Wrestling, second edition. But before I get into that, I do need to extend an addendum. Last week's episode, I discussed the Evil Hat Games Dresden Files expansion Nevermore. I didn't realize, and this is my fault, I didn't realize that that was an expansion. I do need to apologize. I mean, I did get information wrong, but I do need to apologize that I put that out there like it was a brand new brand new thing. It's not. There is actually an established Evil Hat Dresden game. I just didn't know that. 
that's cool to me. So, hey, check out the Evil Hat Dresden game. I saw a couple of people talking about it on Discord earlier today anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, that works. But, yeah, I, I want to talk about worldwide wrestling. I've actually, I've actually heard of this. Yeah, it's a Powered by the Apocalypse game. It's all about sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. Rules for creating classic pro wrestling storylines, tools for players unfamiliar with the genre to participate. So it's going to be a great one for your friends that are like, I don't know about these RPG things. Well, that's okay. You know wrestling, right? Yeah? All right, here. Throw it on the table. It's powered by the apocalypse, so I can guarantee it's easy to pick up. Yeah, well, I've actually heard this played uh, at an actual player, too. I don't know if it was the second edition or the first edition, but I've actually I've, I've heard a little bit of, of some playthroughs with this. I like their little rundown of the features. They, they say it supports large or small groups, irregular attendance, drop-in and guest stars, or one-shot play. Quick character generation, which is powered by the apocalypse. That doesn't shock me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, play a single wrestling show in two hours, and then Link shows into an ongoing season of play. That's actually really fun. In, in-ring action system. I was going to say, I know the, the version of it that I had heard about actually... Um focuses more on the so to speak the promotion and the behind the scenes stuff than the actual in-ring this seems like this version seems like it's a little bit of everything because it talks about rules support building and maintaining feuds getting over gaining more fans changing gimmicks over time building tag teams and stables moving behind the scenes and much more so that seems that seems like it's a little bit of everything it's a little bit of you playing a wrestler who may also be maybe you also play a manager or maybe you could play a manager yeah yeah like i said it, it what i remember of it is that it is very much about playing role playing the whole wrestling production it's not just the match right and that's cool too because if you're a fan of professional wrestling you are into like not necessarily but you're more than likely into all of that especially in in the modern state of it so to speak right it's it's a little bit more difficult to just be a fan of wrestling without being a fan of pretty much everything so Mm -hmm. but that's my pick and i think that looks really cool that's definitely going to hit my table sooner rather than later that's a zip file for 15 bucks on drive through rpg again that's worldwide wrestling second edition links is always in the show notes check that out you can always find our links to the drive through articles in our show notes or in the case of yours it'll be an itch.io article yeah we put the links to, to these in the show notes there's links to our email our facebook twitter link to the discord server you know we'd, we'd love to have the, some of the, the the people that we see you know listening to the show i mean obviously we don't know who you are we just see that we're getting downloads from places where we don't know anyone so we assume that we don't know you uh, but we'd love to have you come talk rpgs with us I mean, we are growing slowly. Our Discord is live and active. I love everybody on our Discord. It's great to have conversations with them. Yeah, and and you just get like random one person will say something, and then other, you know, it, it, I mean, it's Discord like any other. But you know, it's just one of those you get the mixed perspectives from from different people, and it's it's just great because. I know I scare some people because I'm not always on, like, I'm not always talking. I know you're always talking to people in Discord. I'm not always the most, like, talking to people. But every now and again, somebody will say something. And I'm like, ooh, that's in my interest. And I'm just like, the, <laughs> like where'd hey, you it's come the from? other Steve. Where, where'd he come from? Uh. I, I do enjoy that both of our names are now Steve from me and Steve. <laughs> 
which causes some nice confusion for people as well. Yeah. Well, I think on our Discord, mine says something about old Steve, but yeah, I think so, I haven't changed but... it, changed it yet. But but no, I, our Discord is growing, and we do have conversations happening. Like I didn't, I didn't know about the Dresden Files conversation. I might need to go pop over and talk to them about that. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's really nice. Really nice to have this growing fan base, and we really appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast. Yeah, we really do. I mean, it's the the growth. It was kind of like that that the thing you hoped for, and yet when you see it, you're like, "Holy crap, it's happening!" Right. I was excited when we hit ten consistent listeners, and now we're we're seeing numbers above that at this point. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you know, obviously we watched the numbers a little bit, but as of right now, it is the 15th of December as we record this. We've already had more more downloads in December than we have any other month. Yeah, and we're only we've broken through. download records on, on just the month of December. And, and that's saying a lot because the month of December is a bad month typically. We appreciate anybody who listens. And, you know, if this is your first episode or if this is your last episode with us, if it's your last episode with us, please let me know. I want to know why you don't like us anymore. But no, I, I do want to know if, you, if you're dropping the show, let me know why you're dropping it. Let me know you don't like our rambling, you don't like this, you don't like that. That's fine. Let me know. If you think we should go in a direction, if you think there's somewhere we should talk about, something that we don't know about, you know, if there's a topic you want us to discuss or if there's a guest you want us to have on, please let us know. We'll reach out to anybody. I am not afraid. At this point, I'm about two seconds from hopping on our Twitter and reaching out to James D'Amato. Like... <laughs> I am not afraid to reach out to anybody in the RPG industry short for Matthew Mercer, who I, I think is too busy to talk to us. Yeah. He only gets pulled in how many directions? Yeah, exactly. But it's been a really great honor to have anybody who listens to the podcast and, and we joke and we laugh, but it is, it is honestly astounding that, that you guys have stuck with us and, and grown with us. And we're coming up to uh, next week is the Christmas holiday. And we want to wish, you know, everybody happy, happy new years. And that'll be the next episode actually, but Merry Christmas or whichever holiday you, you celebrate and wish it a safe one for you folks. So yes, exactly. So uh, with that, with that, it's time to be kind and go play some RPGs. And stop messing with Bubba. <laughs> <laughs>20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. Did your dog lose its mind too? Because mine just lost its mind all of a sudden. No, she was getting into something like not bad. Oh, okay. just, she just barked at something, but there's probably the neighbor's dog. She hates the neighbor's dog. Well, my dog will occasionally like fall asleep and then the slightest bit of noise will wake him up, so he just, he gets very upset when there's noise. You there? Yeah, um, sorry, your Discord keeps cutting out, so I couldn't tell where you stopped. Oh, okay. So what was the last thing you said? I'm sorry. Um, oh, I just said, uh, hang on, crap, I don't remember.